there are more people out there who actually covet and desire the ring more than the marriage itself. And the same could be said about the ceremony. What up, everybody? Welcome to the Yavi Ross Podcast. My name is Shaq. It is May 31st, 2022, and today's episode is going to be Is No Sex Before Marriage Biblical? But before I begin, I want to say a quick prayer because I never deliver any message without God's anointing, God's touching, God's filling of the Holy Spirit, and God's say so. And I want every word to come out of my mouth into this microphone as if it is the Holy Spirit speaking through me. Because that is how I built my ministry. I always seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So. Let's bow our heads and pray, Father God, in your mighty holy name, I prayed the blood of Jesus over. My mind, my heart, my spirit, my soul. This microphone, I plead the blood of Jesus over my viewers, over my listeners, over those who follow me. Give me the words I need to speak, Father God. Let your will be done through me. Allow your spirit to penetrate my heart, my mind, my body, my soul. And give me the message I need to deliver and the wisdom I need to impart on your people so that our walks may be corrected. Allow me to bless your people. Allow me to be used for your glory, to change the game, and have us all walk more strongly and more boldly in the kingdom. In your mighty and holy name, I pray. So, going into it, guys, is no sex before marriage truly biblically accurate? I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 2. Verses 24 to 25. The word reads, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus over this message, over my mind, over my heart, over my spirit and over my listeners, and over this podcast. I pray that your will be done from this moment on. This vessel is yours, Father. And let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. So, is the term sex before marriage biblically accurate? And some of you guys are going to get mad at me, but... This is a viewpoint that I have to fix. I feel like the spirit is put in my heart to fix because I had someone question me on it and I have to address it. And so before I give my answer, I want you guys to truly hear me out. I want you guys to truly have an open mind regarding this. If you have some preconceived notions 
for what you think the obvious answer is for some of you, I want you guys to truly hear me out, okay? And so, going into it, is no sex before marriage biblically accurate? The answer to that is no. Now, why would I say that? Because what many of you think is fornication is actually the consummation of a marriage. And what exactly do I mean by that? Well, like what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 through 25, as well as through several other areas of the Bible, therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and the two flesh shall become one. It's more literal than most people think. You're conjoining flesh. It is the very act of conjoining flesh that makes you guys one. And I'll go into depth in a little bit. And so the only thing that makes fornication, fornication, children of Yah, is if you don't follow the laws regarding marriage and you have sex with multiple partners or you don't move your lives toward one another. You basically have sex with no intention of getting married. However, the act of having sex or fornicating does not stop two flesh becoming one. And so when it comes to Genesis chapter 2, people say that Adam and Eve were already married at that point. But here's the whole thing. When it says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife and were not ashamed, the Bible is acknowledging that it's already happened. And so it's speaking about Adam and Eve from a retrospect perspective. And so people will continue to say that Adam and Eve were already married at that point. Oh, really? Show me where else in the Bible does it describe how Adam and Eve got married? That Adam put his tux on did Eve put her bridal gown on? Did Eve come from the rib of Adam and Adam gave her a ring and got down on one knee and said, Eve, I love you. Will you marry me? Will you be my wife? Did Adam and Eve go out and find an ordained pastor in the Garden of Eden to go and get themselves lawfully wedded? Was there a whole big congregation in which they stood in for all to witness that they were in fact married? Children of Yah, I want you to hear how silly that sounds. If Adam and Eve, let's think about this for a second. If Adam and Eve were the only two people on the planet and they were the first two people on the planet, how silly does everything else sound? People truly think that you have to stand in front of an ordained pastor, say I do, and kiss each other to be officially married. But if that was the case, then how do you explain Adam and Eve? How silly does this sound? Show me the part where Adam got Eve's engagement ring. Show me the part where they, when Adam and Eve were boyfriend and girlfriend. Show me the part where the Bible says that Adam had a wedding band. Let me tell you, children of y'all, 
It's nowhere to be found in the Bible. And I've had many ministers, many pastors, many bishops, many people who claim that they have studied the word of God to not find this. They tell me, Shaq, you're wrong. You're wrong. I went to theology school. I went to seminary school. I have this degree. I have that degree. Shaq, you're wrong. Okay, great. Show me some scripture that says I'm wrong. And none of them, children of Yah, let me tell you something. None of them can show me that it does say in the Bible to have an engagement ring. It does say in the Bible to present your marriage in a church setting. None of them can show me that it says in the Bible you need to have an ordained pastor to lawfully wed you to. And so this is the viewpoint I want you guys to consider. And that's what the majority of the church believes. They believe that a lot of what they teach regarding the concept of marriage in terms of getting married in a church and not two flesh become one, they believe this is biblically sound when in fact that it's not. And to be quite honest, guys, it's dangerous doctrine to cheat, to teach, because the word of God says that those who add to the Bible will have their part in the lake of fire and their names will be blotted from the book of life. When a man and a woman has sex, children of Yah, let me explain something to you. Let me explain what happens. There are some of you out there, you've had sex. And this is going to put you in a bit of a pickle. Maybe, maybe not. The Lord has grace for us all. But when a man and a woman has sex, there's an intertwining of the souls. And the man and the woman immediately feel that pull towards one another. And children of Yah, that pull that you feel after you have sex with one another is actually the marriage that you formed. For this reason is why women get attached very quickly after sex. You say, show me that in the Bible, Shaq. Genesis 3.16. To the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Now check this next one out, children of Yah. Check it. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. I want you to look at the key words in Genesis 3.16. Desire, husband, rule over you. Desire and husband. So after you have conjoined flesh and that marriage and that, and that covenant between you two is now formed. It is God's will that you desire your husband, ladies. You say, but we didn't even discuss getting married. We didn't even discuss moving in, wedding plans. We didn't even discuss finding a pastor. We didn't even discuss bills and, and the things that married couples discuss. Well, that's why you really got to be careful of who you lay with. 
the next time you get tempted to go to the club, to go to the bar, to go to that party, be mindful of who takes you home. And fellas, be mindful of whom you take home. Because this is very biblical. You say, nah, I just want to have a good time. I ain't really trying to hear all that. You know, I'm not even thinking about marriage. You know. Well, then your soul is going to get attached to them one way or another because children of y'all, let me tell you something. The act of fornication does not stop two flesh becoming one. But the men experience this attachment too because biblically speaking, they're supposed to rule over the women. It was God's will for them to do so, as I mentioned in Genesis 3.16. They are less likely to feel it because of the way a man thinks. See, a way, the way a man approaches a relationship and a marriage is logical, but the women approach to it emotional because, once again, that's part of God's will. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And so that emotional desire to connect with your husband is the same as that emotional desire to submit to your husband. And so the men, they're less likely to feel this attachment, but that attachment is there because whenever a man has sex, there's always something that he feels a little bit differently towards his partner. But as far as wedding ceremonies and, you know, the way the world views marriage, There's nothing in the Bible that talks about getting down on one knee. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about wedding rings, ordained pastors, walking down the aisle, hopping the broom in some cultures, or honeymoons, or the father handing the daughter off. Now, it is biblical that in the Old Testament, the man would go to the father to see of the daughter And the father would hand off the daughter to the suitor. I talk about this. The Bible talks about this rather in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 22. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later on too. But that connection is there. That connection is there. And a lot of people don't realize that that is actually the marriage. And so all the stuff that we know that we think is a wedding, it actually came when the Romans introduced it way back when, when the Roman Empire was taking over Jerusalem. But it hasn't changed. Two flesh becoming one has always been exactly that, children of Yah. And the rules are the same for even one night stand sexual and casual relationships. The act of fornication, once again, does not stop two flesh becoming one. 1 Corinthians 6.16 as proof. Paul says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Guys, you ever been to a party? You ever had sex with a prostitute? You ever had sex with a stripper? You ever had sex with a harlot? Someone who sells their body for sex? Women, this applies to you too. You can join flesh with them. 
You say, but they had sex many, many times before me. Well, then it's adultery then. It's adultery. And that's what makes it all fornication. It's the act of fornication is not honoring the laws and principles regarding marriage. It even says it in Leviticus chapter 21 verses 13 to 14. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman or a defiled woman or a harlot. These he shall not marry, but he shall take a virgin of his own people as wife. And that was the way the plan was supposed to have worked. Man and woman were supposed to be virgins and the marriage bed was supposed to be what the wedding ceremony is today. You're supposed to save that for when you're truly ready to be with the other person. That's the way it's supposed to work. People say you need to present your marriage in front of the church, but there's nowhere in the scriptures, children of Yah, that even say this. Even when you look at 1 Corinthians 7, the first thing it mentions regarding the rules of marriage is sexual immorality. Let's look at it. Verses 1 through 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, Paul says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. And as far as the wedding rings are concerned, children of Yah, they're not mentioned in the Bible either. In fact, the only kind of ring that's really mentioned is a signet ring. And a signet ring was a symbol of authority. But it had nothing to do with marriage. And so wedding wings aren't, aren't mentioned. Wedding rings, engagement rings, wedding bands, they're not mentioned. Purity rings aren't even mentioned either. I heard that the other day. A woman wears a purity ring to symbolize that they are, in fact, a virgin. That's not even biblical. None of this stuff is mentioned. In fact, you know, the principle of the concept of a wedding ring, it, it honestly, it does more to lead people into the sin of idolatry because there are more people out there who actually covet and desire the ring more than the marriage itself. And the same could be said about the ceremony. We see it on TV all the time. It's all about the hype of the moment than it is about the covenant between man and woman. People think that the size of the ceremony automatically equates to having a long, healthy marriage. And that's not even close. I've seen people. You have somebody like J-Lo and A-Rod spend $50 million on a wedding and they divorce Two years later, a year later, and then you'll have somebody who spends $50, $100 on a wedding, and they're married 20, 30, and 40 years. And trust me, there are people out there who worship both the ring and the ceremony, children of Yah. Why do you think they come out with these worldly reality shows like 90 Day Fiance or Bridezilla? Because women, they know that women long to be married. And it's almost as if they don't even care who they marry. They just want to feel the hype of the moment. 
even if the guy isn't really the one for them, they try to make it fit. That's the world that we live in, children of y'all. Y'all got y'all got to understand. It's a world of compromise. It's a world of compromise. A lot of people are getting married to people they have no business marrying in the first place. And the women, they determine that the worth of a marriage, some of them, not all of them, but some of them, they determine that the worth of a marriage is based on how much the man spent on the ring. A lot, a lot of women like to pretend that, no, 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 it's not about that. I really love him. Come on, man. Come on. They like to put on a front because, you know, they don't want to be exposed. And I don't have no hatred amongst women. Don't misunderstand me, children of y'all. And I don't have no hatred among, you know, spending money on these things. I mean, I believe that, you know, as a man, you should spend the most amount of money you can on your woman if you want to see your woman look good. There's nothing wrong with that. But my whole thing is this. At what point does it turn into idolatry? At what point is it really all about the money? People marry for the hype of the moment, the hype of the party, and then they divorce six months later because they don't know what they signed up for. For most of them, it was all about the money. You put a $30,000 ring on said woman's finger. I'm not going to say all women. I'm going to say some. You put that kind of money on a ring's finger, she's going to think like, oh, this man really does love me. This man really does want to make it work. And yeah, there could be something to be said about that. But that's not the true covenant. The true covenant is how well you keep the vow to each other that you will not leave. How well you pray together. How well you build together. How well you serve God together. How well you advance the kingdom together. And so regarding the rings and the ceremonies, what does Psalms 135, 15 through 18 say? The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, children of Yah. If you put something shiny, the devil is very, very good at putting the shiniest thing in front of you to make you covet and idolize it. To get you to fall for the abomination. And the enemy likes to dangle the carrot of marriage in front of so many women. To push them into making hasty decisions, marrying people they have no business marrying, making decisions they have no business making, jumping the gun. But I digress. 
And so as far as divorce goes, children of Yah, the only grounds for divorce is sexual immorality or if the spouse is an unbeliever and decides to leave, which also 1 Corinthians chapter 7 explains as well. And also Deuteronomy 22 and Leviticus 20 goes very much into depth about this. Everything you want to know regarding covening a neighbor's wife, homosexuality, incest. Yes, I did say incest. Bestiality and even the purity of a woman. Deuteronomy 22 goes into this. Leviticus 20 goes into the others. And even a little bit of Leviticus chapter 18 goes into how homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 12 through 15. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. The laws regarding sexual morality in Deuteronomy chapter 22, breaking that down for you guys. If any man takes a wife, goes into her, has sex with her, and detests her, and charges her with shameful conduct, and brings a bad name on her, and says, I took this woman, and when I came to her, I found she was not a virgin. Then the father and mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young man's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. And the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as a wife, and he detests her. Now he has charged her with shameful conduct, saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin, and yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. Then the elders of that city shall take that man and punish him, and they shall fine him 100 shekels of silver and give them to the father of the young woman, because he has brought a bad name on a virgin of Israel. And she shall be his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. But if the one thing is true and evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of the father's house. And the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. Think about it, children of y'all. I'm going to pause right there. Think about it. A lot of how many women do you know who have had sex repeatedly over and over in their young college days and went back home? I want you guys to understand that this is an abomination to the Lord, that being loose with your sexuality is very much frowned upon. Every time you go on social media, there's always a woman wanting to, wanting to show 
every single curve that she has. But meanwhile, she's playing harlot. And I guarantee you, I think any father would agree if they had a daughter or most fathers with daughters, the last thing they want to see is their daughter being loose. The last thing they want to see is their daughter being put on sale, playing wife, but being a harlot. I know that's the last thing people want to see. And I'm going to get into the whole, yeah, but Shaq, I'm not a virgin thing in a little bit. But let me go back to finishing. So you shall put away the evil from among you. If a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, that's adultery, then both of them shall die. The man that lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall put away the evil from Israel. And I want to pause real quick. When it says that a man shall die, I want you guys to understand that this is the Old Testament. And this is where the blood of Jesus comes in. This is where the blood of Jesus comes in because Jesus paid the price for that death. And for that reason is the reason why whenever you commit a sin of adultery, whenever you commit a sin of fornication, bearing false witness, homosexuality, sodomy, or whatever the case is, you can come to the cross and be forgiven. You can repent to Jesus and be forgiven. But don't just say, I'm sorry, and then you go back right to it. Because to truly repent means to turn away and to never do it again. So if you out there and you say, but I'm a virgin, but you could be forgiven of that and be made clean. The Bible says he is just as faithful to us to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we ask for repentance, if he forgives us for if we if he forgives us of our sins. That's the difference in the old covenant. The atonement was much more harsh. The judgment was much more harsh. That's why it's so beautiful that we have Jesus. But I go to the Old Testament for these things because the Old Testament, it breaks down the laws in such depth. Like it breaks it down point for point for point. And then when Jesus steps on the scene, he says, you heard it being said that this is this, but I say to you, that is that. And Jesus does that many, many times throughout the New Testament because the new covenant is being formed. It's no longer we have to kill animals for our sins anymore. Now it's we have to turn to Jesus if we want to be righteous and holy before the Father. So I just wanted to put that out there, but going back to it. And so if a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife. So you shall put away the evil from among you. But if a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside 
and the man forces her and lies with her, this is talking about rape, then only the man who lay with her shall die, but you shall do nothing to the young woman. That's good news. There is in the young woman no sin deserving of death. For just as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is this matter. So this is good news for those of you who uh, are very sensitive to the issue of sexual assault. Because I know some of you have asked the question, well, what I, I understand two flesh become one. You know, once you have sex with a man, you can join flesh. But what about when a woman is raped? What about when a woman is assaulted? Because I know eight out of 10 women have a history of sexual abuse. And so the fact that this scripture is there is really, really good for addressing that. In that instance, you are not married. You're not married to the man that forces himself on you. For he found her in the countryside and the betrothed young woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. If a man finds a young woman who is a virgin, who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are found out, then the woman who lay with her shall give to the young woman's father 50 shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife because he has humbled her. So this is if, this is if a man rapes a woman and then he goes to the father and asks her, can I have her? And he pays the price of 50 shekels of silver and she's now his wife. This is God's law. This is what they don't teach in the church. Of course, I don't expect these days, it's worth mentioning, I don't expect these days if a man is going to sexually assault a woman, he's not going to go to her father. He's not going to go to her father. And so I believe that the first part would apply. And so reading on, she shall be his wife because he has humbled her. He shall not be permitted to divorce her all his days. And a man shall not take his father's wife nor uncover his father's bed. So that last verse is adultery but so that's the that's the thing regarding sexual assault like i said i understand that a lot of women go through this and god knew that there would be disgusting men who struggle with the spirit of sexual immorality he knew that this would be a possibility and so I honestly believe, you know, now the spirit is putting it in my heart. Thank you so much, Holy Spirit. The man who forces himself onto his wife and goes with and goes to her father with the intention of marrying her. He really wants that woman. He really honors a covenant with that woman, regardless of what she wants. As harsh as that is to say. Like I said, this is God's law, and I know it's not going to be easy for some of you to digest, and I understand that. But 
This is the breaking down of God's law. And like I said, the parts where it says he shall, she shall be put to death. She shall be put to death. Like I said, Jesus paid the price for that judgment because he's the everlasting life. So because he defeated death, you can always send the tab to him and he's going to consistently pick it up. But here's the thing, children of y'all, do not abuse the grace. Do not abuse the grace that is given to each and every one of us. We serve a patient God, but we also serve a God whom at any point in time can unleash the wrath. And when he does, there's no coming back from that. So be mindful of this. And to those of you, of, uh, those of you women who, you know, you have a legitimate concern for being sexually assaulted, my heart goes out to you. I plead the blood of Jesus over your lives. I really pray that none of you from this point on go through anything like that ever again. I really hope and pray that that God truly does have the partner waiting in the wings for you, provided you're doing God's will. I understand that some of the nastiness happens in some of the churches, you know, I just read a story, I think a couple of weeks ago, about a man, the pastor of a church out in Indiana. He had sex with a minor, and that relationship continued for nine years. And it was an adulterous relationship. It was an adulterous affair because the man was married. And then he confessed in front of the entire congregation. And then the woman came and spoke afterwards to which the men tried to intimidate her. And my heart just goes out to that woman. And I want you guys to understand that there are a bunch of churches out there who misrepresent the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you guys to understand that not every church is made the same. For those of you who are new to the faith, for those of you who are maybe thinking about coming back. For those of you who are not believers at all, I want you guys to understand that not every church is made the same. We're all supposed to be moving in one accord with the Spirit, and if we're moving in one accord with the Spirit, then certainly those things are not supposed to be happening in the church. So I just want to make a statement. I do not condone as a believer, as a true believer, as a pastor, as a prophet, I do not condone such behavior. I do not co-sign that. Because I know there are a bunch of people out there saying, oh, but, oh, but, but you know, pastors, they're doing the wrong thing with children all the time. I speak out against it often. And I'm speaking out against it now. They will be held accountable for their actions. They will be held accountable. These men will be held accountable for the sexual Im immorality that they commit against their sisters in Christ. It's absolutely disgusting. But I digress. So my heart goes out to any women who have that concern. And like I said, I plead the blood of Jesus and a veil of protection, a hedge of protection 
over each and every one of your lives. From this point on, I pray that God gives you the Holy Spirit in its fullness and the Holy Spirit leads you with the greatest discernment you have ever known. And the Holy Spirit leads you and warns you when trouble is abound that you may escape and that you won't have to suffer because the Holy Spirit does do that. The Holy Spirit will, in fact, tell you if you're filled with the spirit, ladies, the Holy Spirit will tell you, don't go out with this man. Don't talk to this pastor. Don't go to this church. These people are not my people. These people serve me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The Holy Spirit will tell you these things. It will. So I plead the blood of Jesus and a hedge of protection over your, each and every one of your lives. And Jesus, men, for those of you young men, I plead the same thing for you too in Jesus' name because I know how difficult it is. My pastor, who was also my mentor, he told us a story of how he was molested at a, at a very young age. I'm not going to mention his name. But he tells me this story and this kind of stuff, it does happen in the church. It does happen. And so when I say no sex before marriage isn't biblically accurate, this kind of stuff I'm very, very happy that God addresses in his word that if a, if a man rapes a woman and flees, that woman is still in peace. She may not be in peace over what happened, but in terms of a marriage covenant, she's still called to peace. There's no covenant tie. That's not a tie that God approved of. And the second one, I already, I already discussed it. Because these days, I mean, it's rare. It's rare that it happens. Typically, that's more or less arranged marriages. And they do that a lot in countries like India. Arranged marriages. The man picks the woman or the parents pick the woman for the man and then they get married. You know, it's a forceful union, but that's the way they do it. And that's close to how it is, uh, biblically speaking. It's close to how it is, biblically speaking. I know a lot of women don't want to hear that, but this is God's law. So this kind of stuff, and you know something, children of y'all, if anything, if you're not too sure, I would encourage you to pray. Go into prayer. Ask God to give you the wisdom and revelation about these things. I tell people all the time, study for yourselves. Don't take what I'm saying for face value. Study for yourselves. That's what we're called to do as believers. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to shew thyself approved, that no worker may be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved, children of y'all. Study to show yourself approved. But 
Once again, I digress, but I feel like I feel like this was necessary. I feel like this was necessary. I feel like the Holy Spirit put it in me to talk about this. And I know this is going to bless someone. I'm going to go into Leviticus chapter 20 on the subject of adultery, sexual immorality and homosexuality, even bestiality, because I know it exists out there. And incest. Relationships within the family. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 10 through 16. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Once again, the man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man lies with the male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire, both he and they that there may be no wickedness among you. If a man mates with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Remember I said the blood of Jesus covers all of this? But if there's no Jesus, this is the punishment. But thank God we have Jesus. Thank God we have the blood of the lamb to help us with redemption. And so I went into Leviticus chapter 20 because I wanted you guys to understand that all these things are an abomination. And I want to circle it back to no sex before marriage. The bottom line is, no, it's not biblically accurate. And so, I want you guys to be encouraged and carry this knowledge with you. Because I, let me tell you something. I was one of the same people. I believed, oh, the proper way of getting married was you got to propose to the woman. You got to buy the ring. You got to say, I do. And you got to stand in front of the pastor. You got to kiss and you got to go down to the courthouse and sign a marriage certificate. And then that's marriage. And I know the book of uh, Romans says to follow the laws of the land. But let me encourage you guys to think about this. What law is there for those of you in the United States? What law is there? anywhere in United States code that says what two true believers are when they have sex. There's no law for that. And this is my basic conflict with the law of the land and the law of God. Because the law of the land says you're not married until you sign a birth certificate until you sign a marriage certificate.
But the law of God says you're not married until you can join flesh. And so the psychology behind the birth certificate is, I believe it does more to promote fornication. People think, no, I don't want to sign no contract. You know, I just want to, I just want to have sex. And then all you got to do is say it's over and then I'll have sex with somebody else. And another person, another person, another person, it does more to promote fornication, sexual immorality. And so you could say, follow the laws of the land, but there's no law that addresses that. Matter of fact, the law says, I don't care what God says. If you don't sign a marriage certificate, you're not married. So have as much sex as you want. Go wild. Be Hugh Hefner for all I care. Have as many women in the bed as you want. You're not married. It's all good. This is what the law of the land says. And that's why I don't support the law of the land. It doesn't even make a difference. Because a marriage covenant is between a man and a woman. Government has no say in that. Government has no say in that. And that's biblical. They should have no say regarding the affairs of marriage. And that's what the enemy's trying to do. The enemy's trying to redefine what a marriage is. A marriage is no longer between a man and a woman. A marriage is now between a man and a man, a woman and a woman. And now they'll try to blur the lines even further by uh, advancing and pushing the transgender agenda. And with that children of Yah, notice that it's more men turning into women than women turning into men. Notice it's more about women jumping ahead of the men and the emasculation of men. Remember what the book of James says. James 4.4, 4, a friendship with the world is enmity with God. And so just because the world does it, children of Yah, doesn't mean the church has to do it too. Well, the world, they get married with ceremonies, so I guess the church got to do it too, right? No. Well, if women could take the lead in the homes in the world, I guess it's, it's acceptable in the Christian family, right? No, it is not. Because the word of God says, the head of man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Remember I said in Genesis 3.16, your desire shall be over your husband and he shall rule over you. This is God's will. This is God's will, children of Yah. A lot of churches are teaching stuff that's not biblically sound. It's apostate doctrine. You say, well, this isn't really a heaven or hell issue. Yes, it is. Because if the word of God says in the book of Revelation, it says at the very, very end, I believe in Revelation 22, what does it say? It says, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, 
God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And all of those plagues, children of Yah, include being casted into the lake of fire. A lot of churches are adding to the scriptures. There are some pastors that are accepting gay marriages. There are some pastors that are accepting marriages that are sexually immoral. It's not biblical, children of Yah. It's not biblical. And so those of you who are open-minded to this topic, I thank you for having an open mind. I thank you for being willing to learn the biblical truth. And yes, it is biblical truth. Because like I said, no one has proven me otherwise. And I bet you all of them who try to, they don't even pray and meditate on some of the things that I'm saying. They don't pray to the father, say, father, should I respond to this person? Is he actually right? They just go out and say it. And then they want to tell you afterwards. Now nah, I'll pray for you. If you really wanted to pray for me, why didn't you pray for me from the beginning? Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. But people don't acknowledge him in all their ways. They don't seek the kingdom first. They don't seek God's righteousness first. Righteousness is the result of thereof it's the result of the fruits in your heart the fruits of the spirit which is love joy peace goodness kindness gentleness faithfulness patience and self-control from galatians 5 22 and 23 and that if you have all these things including the faithfulness it's accounted for your righteousness but a lot of people don't seek this they don't seek it what they want to do is they want to tell you what they think is the truth. Every single one of my messages are, are biblically, uh, biblically let. They're biblically accurate. That's number one. Because I pray on these things before I speak on them. I don't just go out and speak. Number two, they're spirit led. I had a completely different topic, which I'll talk about next time. But the spirit put it in my heart to talk about this. And so the term no sex before marriage is not biblical. I want, to re-rate, I want to reword it, though. I want to reword it to no sex outside of the intention of getting married. That is biblically accurate. Don't have sex with someone without wanting to marry them. Don't have sex with someone with the intention of never seeing them again. Because, folks, 
you're going to take on a lot of spiritual warfare by doing that. Because when you can join flesh and when you intertwine souls, you take on their demons, they take on yours. And now you're going to be struggling with things that you said, I never really struggled with this before. Why all of a sudden now I have this issue, this issue with lust. Now all of a sudden I'm thinking about all these vile and evil things. You got to be mindful of who you lay with. And instead, I want to encourage you children of Yah to pray to God and say, God, is this partner the partner you have for me? Remember, seek first the kingdom. Do it right, children of Yah. Let's do it right. Let's stop laying with whoever we want to lay with just because they said something nice or we like their bodies. Let's stop doing that. I know summertime is coming around. I know the temptation is going to be coming around. I know there are going to be women wearing booty shorts and all their assets are going to be hanging out because they want the attention. They're horny. They're this, they're that. I know it's going to be hard. I know the temptation is out there, men. But the goal is to be blessed. The goal is to be protected. The goal is to be highly favored in the Lord. Do not give in to these things, children of Yah. Do not. I surrendered a 22-year pornography addiction and with it the spirit of lust, the spirit of adultery, the spirit of fornication, sexual immorality, I surrendered all of these things to the Lord. And I can't imagine doing anything more. Am I holier than thou? No, I'm not better than anyone. But what I want is for the rest of you to catch it. I want the rest of you to receive the glory. Or rather, to receive the downpour, not the glory. The glory is the Father's, it's His. It's not your glory, it's all His. He blesses you, he gets the credit. That's how it works. And I want you all to receive it. So children of Yah, let's move together and let's approach this the right way. I love you all. I thank you for tuning into this message. It was an impromptu message, but Pray that you guys go sow in Jesus' name, go grow in Jesus' name. For any business inquiries, email me at yahwerise at gmail.com. Of course, any donations, any support, any seed sowers, the link will be in the description of the bulky portion of the podcast. I love you all. And let's do it. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Good night.